0: This is your final places call. Places. Half the half. Go. Orchestra stand by. Go.
1: Hey guys, this is Gabrielle Ruiz. Rick Negron. Anne Harada. Karen Neeson. Constantinos. JLA Marcos. And you're listening to Bite size. Bite, Bite
2: size. Bite Size Broadway. Brought to you by Indie Works Theater Company. Bite
1: Size.
0: your phone from bite-sized broad-
2: My name is Jonathan Lynch, and you're listening to Bite-Sized Broadway, a mini-musical podcast brought to you by IndieWorks Theatre Company. This is your source for discovering original, short-form musicals that you can listen to anytime, anywhere. Today's mini-musical episode is Blue Cross Blues, with a book by Ed Levy and music and lyrics by Neil Radish. Stay tuned after the show for a talk back with Ed and Neil. And now, let's peek in on the Cornspan household where Michelle is ending a very lengthy and very unproductive call with the billing department of her insurance company. What's wrong?
3: I've been trying to get the money back from this insurance claim for six months, and I've gotten nowhere. Just forget
4: about it. Uh,
3: It's $10,000. Oh. Yeah.
4: I guess you gotta keep trying, then.
3: Uh, You do it. I'm
4: busy painting. You know, where the money comes from. the money
3: comes from me being a lawyer just as much as from your painting. It's time for you to take a turn at this insurance thing.
4: Michelle, I do my share. Mm. I clean every week. Uh-huh. I do the laundry. I do
3: the dishes every night. I mow the lawn uh-huh. front and back. I just call those the chores. And doing the chores is not equivalent to filing 800 insurance forms a year. Yeah? Uh-huh. Why
4: don't you try mowing the lawn then?
3: Fine. I'll mow the lawn and do all the chores, and you do the insurance. If you get back the $10,000, I'll do both the insurance and the chores for a whole year. Otherwise, you'll do it all.
0: Uh, uh...
3: Scared? I'm not scared. Uh Uh-huh. I'm just trying to
4: imagine you having to mow that lawn for a whole year when I
3: win. Oh, big man. You're gonna get crushed. I don't
4: understand why you're angry. Uh-huh. Ignore it. Leave it to me.
0: Uh-huh.
4: It won't take me long. They'll admit that they're wrong. <laughs> How hard could it be? Uh-huh. You can put it aside and forget it. I will call them and make them agree that they're to blame and they'll pay us a claim. How hard could it be? You have no subtlety (laughs) You need an artist's finesse They're like a pack of wolves They smell your fear and distress Stand
3: aside
4: and leave it all to me
3: What does landscape painting have to do with resolving an insurance claim? Everything Could you be more specific?
4: Both require a sense of proportion and
3: persistence. (laughs) What's out of proportion is your swelled head.
4: No matter what your style, it's all about how to mislead. Be clever, be abstract, confuse them and they will concede. Stand aside and leave it all. Of the rules of perspective. Every detail is something I see. Like a critic with art, I will pick them apart. Oh. How hard could it be? A palette of deceit, each color of fiction to pick. As with impasto, I will lay the bullshit on thick. Paint a picture and they'll see I'm right and they'll agree with me Then all our health care will be free How hard could it be? Hand me the bills, Michelle. Don't worry, I'll take care of it now.
3: (laughs) I can't wait to see this.
4: Look. Right here. Uh It says if you have a dispute, Uh you should write to this address. Ah. Did you try that? Oh, please. Let me show you how it's done. To whom it may concern... I'm writing to you about the bills received for services rendered on April 4th, 2019. My wife has apparently submitted all the necessary forms and, despite contacting your office multiple times,
0: has not received any information. So I walk the dog.
4: And I feed the cat.
3: And I do the laundry. Take the trash out. Wash the
0: dishes.
3: Read a
4: book.
0: Another day goes Another week goes by, and I go to
4: work, and I run some errands, drink
0: some
4: coffee, cook a meal. But every, every day it's in the back of your mind, mind. that nothing's changed. Your claim will, still, will be still be declined. Hoping but to no avail, avail. the check will, will be, be there in the mail.
0: Here's here.
4: It's not a check. Just another bill. Nothing's been resolved.
3: (laughs) I think I'll go and mow the lawn. (laughs)
1: Calling Anthem Blue Cross Blue Shield, Dow Chemical Pharma Associates, affiliated of New York, New Jersey, and South Dakota. Can I have the account reference number, please?
4: W- what's that?
1: That's the 26 digit code located on your bill. It's in the upper left hand corner under the physician referral routing number, which is below the consolidated payments index code right next to the federal deferred allocation identifier. Uh,
4: g- can you just look up my name and address? Certainly. The name is Bill Cornspan, 29 White Birch Road, Weston, Connecticut, 06883.
1: One moment. Okay, can you just confirm your date of birth? June 1st,
4: 1964.
1: For the future, your reference number is 153682G-89000A-2323236-41152A. it's so interesting that you have all those zeros in the middle, and then that repeating sequence of twos and threes, you don't see that very often. I have a
4: rather large bill here, and I'm trying to understand what the various charges are.
1: Sure. Can I have the billing code for the first charge, please?
4: You just gave it to me. That thing with the zeros and the twos and threes.
1: Oh, no, sir. That's your account reference number. The billing code is the number assigned to each individual item on your bill.
4: I don't see any numbers, just a list of words. The first says, scan.
1: Can I have the date of service, please?
4: April 4th, 2019.
1: Oh, wow, you had an A65.14B. I've well, never seen one of those before. Well, Now, an A65.23A, I run into those all the time, but, and an A65.17C, but, but an A65.14B? Jack has to see mm-hmm. this. Let me get him on the line.
0: Jack
5: here.
1: Jack, this guy had an A65.14B.
5: Wow, I've never coded an A65.14B before. Let me get Alice on the line. I
3: don't need Alice. This is Alice. Alice, this guy had an
5: A65.14B. Oh. Yeah, it's really something. Can you? Oh, that's just
1: crazy, right?
5: Excuse Excuse me.
1: Oh, sorry, sir. Yes, A65.14B. You definitely had a scan. A bilateral. Fine, I
4: know I had a scan. But after that are all these charges labeled scan, tech, A, S, S, T, lines and lines of them. What is this nonsense?
1: Can I have the code for the next entry? There are no codes! It all comes down to the billing
6: codes. They describe each bump and bruise. Be it bruised.
1: It's a number, nothing more. The billing codes are all we use. Well, let's take a look at that next item. That charges for the man who prepped you for the scan and also cleaned you up when it was done. And we usually reverse the charges for the nurse But we can't because it's coded 641 641 is for the nurse who helped the man who took the scan That's coded
6: A65.14B
1: I hope that clears things up for you Not really, if these charges are
4: all different Why are they listed as the same on my bill?
1: That's so it won't be confusing the next is .52, I don't suppose you had the flu? Oh, pardon me, the code is .53. Which makes a lot more sense, and I can say with confidence that it's for the film transport technician's fee. And don't forget the canister that keeps the scan film safe. The code for that is 9.23B. Every item gets a code, it's how we is crazy.
4: How do I even know these charges are valid?
1: I'm sorry, sir. It's not our job to figure that out. As long as the proper billing code is submitted, we're okay with it.
6: We only see the billing codes. The truth's not our concern. We don't care if it's legit. Once we've got the code, that's it the billing codes for which we are the last one on the list is for the radiologist the
1: final charge i see for you that day the code is rather odd c36.4 my god he's out of network boy you're gonna pay when the code that they submit means that you get no It's Shield Dow Chemical Pharma Associates yeah, 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 affiliated
4: yeah, yeah, of New York New oh. oh, see, honey, that wasn't so hard. <gasps>
3: I wake each morning
4: Stretch a canvas
3: Pour some coffee Set
4: my paints out
3: Read the paper Make
4: a sketch. Another day goes by Another week goes by I shop
3: for groceries Clean
4: the paints up Sweep
3: the floor And
4: gas the car Continue on as we we have done all
0: along And And live each day pretending pretending nothing is wrong You worry what what you'll have to pay You You go go and check check the the mail mail one day, it's here!
3: It's not our $10,000? It's not a check.
4: (laughs) Just another bill.
3: Hmm, the lawn's looking a bit shaggy today.
4: They can't get away with this.
3: I am calling them right
4: now and I'm gonna get it straightened out today! Uh, Um, hello?
7: This is the billing department of the Sisters of the Merciful Dollar Medical Center. Is this Mr. Cornspanks?
4: Well, actually, it's Cornspan.
7: We see you owe some money. It's frankly quite a lot. I've called to say you have to pay
4: today. (laughs) This is a joke, right? Don't (laughs) laugh. You think it's funny. I'm
7: telling you it's not.
4: And you're not protected by the ACA. you get paid when the insurance company pays me. You don't seem to appreciate what this call is all about.
7: We've watched your debt accumulate, and your time has just run out is compounding. Soon the sum will be astounding. It's no joke. Just pay the bill. The total keeps increasing, always growing, never ceasing. You'll be broke. But pay the bill. The amount that you are owing just keeps growing, growing, growing. We'll call you every day. We won't relent. We'll tell your family, your friends. The harassment never ends till you pay us. Every cent We're not willing to keep billing The amount you owe is thrilling Stop the games It's time to pay Your credit score is zero Rome is burning Don't be Nero Stop the flames and start to pay. Your premiums were small, but your deductible was high, and the bill is filled with charges that you can't identify, but it all adds up. Just trust me, the numbers justify what you owe. Just pay the bill, because if you do, your world will fill with sunshine. The birds will sing, the flowers start to bloom. A life brand new, unless you miss the deadline. Miss it, and the birds will die. Flowers rot and putrefy. A spire rains down from the sky. The horrors that ensue are all because of you. No mercy! Your bill is overdue! Sell your car or sell your house, lease the kids or rent the spouse. It's not fair, but don't be rash. If you try and rob a bank, you'll go to jail. And we'll be frank, we just don't care. Give us the cash. You thought the bills were covered and there wouldn't be a fee. But nothing's ever covered, and nothing's ever free. Write a check, it's not that hard. We take Visa MasterCard. You just have to pay the
0: bill. Pay the bill.
3: Is there a problem? Yeah.
4: <laughs> Don't start with me Michelle. I am settling this now. Once and for all. It's different It's
1: Thank you for calling. Is this
4: anthem Blue Cross Blue Shield Dow Chemical Pharma Associates Affiliated of New York, New Jersey, and South Dakota?
1: Why, yes, it is.
4: This is 153682G-890008-2323236-41152A. Oh!
1: That's so interesting. You have all those zeros in the middle, and then that repeating sequence of twos and threes.
4: Never mind about that. I'm calling about billing code A65.14B.
1: Oh, we don't see those very
4: often. Yeah, you don't see any of those. The point is, where is our check?
1: We have been waiting nearly a year. Oh, I'm terribly sorry. Let me look into this. I have oh, no, to put no, you no, on hold. no, no, don't,
4: don't, don't, don't you
1: even talk to I can't believe
5: you. Oh. Thank you for calling ABCBSDCPAA of New York, New Jersey, and South Dakota. We're sorry to keep you waiting. Are you young, vigorous, and healthy? Are prolonged hospitalization something that couldn't possibly happen to you? and ask our operators about our new low-cost association plan. You pay the hospital so we don't have to. You'll be astonished at the reduction in your monthly pay insurance benefits. payments. Just, Keep listening just. to hear about more of the exciting new benefits offered during the upcoming 2021 health care. <gasps> about... oh, I'm hi. sorry it's taking uh, so uh, yeah. long. Anybody... I'm
1: working it out with my supervisor. Yeah, but I... I think you're going to be very happy. I'm Please just... hold.
5: <laughs> have you heard oh. about our new online oh, medical consultation oh service? If your regular doctor is not available, consider going online and consulting one of our trained medical professionals directly oh. over the internet. They can't take your temperature, blood pressure, or run any tests. Blood sort of pressure? My blood pressure is going
4: off the charts right now, waiting for like you to take of me off of hold.
1: I'm delighted to tell you that your check is in the mail. It should only be a matter of days now. Really? Really. Thank you so much. You're very welcome.
4: Have a great day.
1: Thank you for calling Anthem Blue Cross.
4: Michelle! Better gas up that lawnmower because the check is on the way! Sit and paint. Go to
3: work. Pace
4: the floor. Watch TV. Be the cat. Walk the dog. Then finally, after all the calls that I made, a check. No way. It's true, they finally paid.
0: I can't believe you did it, Bill. I
4: knew I'd figure it out. Ah! It
0: didn't seem that way to me. The end
4: was never in doubt. Each phone call more surreal. You can't believe what you hear. A dolly dreamscape where the meaning is never quite clear. Through all the bullshit arguments, I never flagged in confidence. They finally paid us, finally paid us. How much? Fifty-six cents. That's it, then.
3: We're broke.
4: We're gonna lose everything.
3: Oh, Bill. We're not gonna lose everything. We'll manage. We always
4: do. I never should have gone to the hospital in the first place.
3: Yeah, well, at least those tests came back negative. You're healthy and strong and ready to get back to mowing the lawn. No, oh, right. The lawn. Aw. Uh, listen, I, well, I've always said we shouldn't have to lose our shirts just to get the health care we need. You mean we have to become Democrats? I'm afraid so. Democrats. Just when you think
4: it can't get any worse. So, single payer healthcare doesn't look that
3: bad. And face it, Bernie Sanders kinda does look like you're dead.
4: We call them lazy moochers, the takers we'd condemn.
3: But now we're on the other side. Now we're one of them.
4: You think somehow your freedom is at stake
6: Take comfort that
0: the cost is covered by some other guy The 1% will pay what's you Just pray that person isn't you Everything you heard is ours
2: was Blue Cross Blues, book by Ed Levy and music and lyrics by Neil Radish. Starring Lance Roberts as Bill, Karen Mason as Michelle, Ann Harada as the operator, and Alan H. Green as the Bill Collector. Also featuring Andy Roninson as Jack, Sierra Ryan as Alice, with Andrew Fox, Christopher Michaels, Aaron O'Shell, Jonathan Lynch, and Yvette Monique Clark in the ensemble. Blue Cross Blues was recorded remotely from New York City and directed by Christopher Michaels, with music supervision by Jonathan Lynch, featuring Mitzi Colettis on flute, Robbie Wingfield on saxophones, Pierce yamaoka on trumpet and kenneth johnson on trombone orchestrations and sound design by andrew fox and mixing and mastering by jay rosen we'll be right back after this brief intermission when we sit down with the writers to discuss the true story behind blue cross blues the interesting casting connection to the composer's past and one writer's journey from lawyer to theater maker
6: Hey there! Enjoying the show so far? Want even more out of your bite-sized Broadway experience? Get full-color digital playbills, early singles and episodes, and exclusive backstage access to other exciting rewards and extras by becoming a Patreon subscriber. For as little as $3 a month, you can unlock perks you just won't find anywhere else. We're giving you a peek behind the curtain to see just what goes into making a mini-musical podcast, plus a chance to speak directly to the artists in monthly AMAs. Oh, looks like Act 2 is about to start. Visit patreon.com slash bite-sized broadway to find out how you can become a subscriber today. Sorry. Enjoy the rest of the show.
2: Bye. Ah. All right, theater fans, hope you've made it back to your seats with your act two refreshments because it's time for our talk back with Ed Levy and Neil Radish, the writers of Blue Cross Blues. So first of all, what's your worst encounter in dealing with health insurance companies? (laughs)
5: Uh, the worst well for me it was um one incident in particular um trying to get a rabies vaccine from my daughter mm, she okay. uh, she had a close encounter with a bat up at camp Ugh. and when you have that the protocol whether you're bitten or not is to get a series of rabies shots um sure. the first one she got up at camp which is in, in the adirondacks and essex county up there actually has um, a county program where these shots are given for free oh. The second one, however, had to happen back in Connecticut. And, you know, you always hear in these arguments about healthcare, about the informed consumer. Well, there was no rush. I was going to be an informed consumer and find out how to get this as cheaply as possible. And it was a complete fiasco. <laughs> I called the insurance company to ask them, well, how can I get this cheap? Which you'd think would be right up their alley trying to get you, like, right. cheap it, care it for stuff. It seemed the obvious place to begin. Yes. But they were like, uh, we can't really say call around and let us know what you find. <laughs> I'm glad
2: that they're having you do their work for them. <laughs> so
5: you know, there aren't a lot of places to get this. It turns out doctors don't have this on um, supply. It's not anything they carry. The two places that had it was the local hospital and the local um, town mm-hmm. health center. So the health center said it would be $250 for the shot. Okay. And the hospital also couldn't say quite <laughs> what it would cost. But they told me... $700, give or take. Give or take. Give or take, give or take $600? Yeah, give I don't
2: know. Give or take $50? Oh, God. Okay. Um,
5: so I went back to the insurance company, told them, and first they said, well, for the health center, there's no insurance compensation. They're out of network, so you just pay that out of pocket. Okay. And the hospital is in network, so there'd be coverage there. And this is where it got so interesting. You would think that, okay, rabies shot, there's a set code for that. Insurance company knows what it is, the hospital knows what it is. So the uh, insurance company tells me that, well, they can't really say it would depend on what the billing codes the hospital sent them would be Uh. and what they would charge for the billing codes. Okay. The insurance company basically doesn't even care They are just going to take in these numbers and Mm -hmm. attach dollar figures and then pay based on a formula. They're not going to verify. So as you can imagine, there's all these back and forths. I call the hospital. They give me codes. I tell the insurance company. The insurance company says, well, what about this? And I go back to the hospital. Needless to say, this goes on for days and days and days. You know, what does it even mean to be covered? Yes. The short of it is at the end of the day, the $700 hospital shot Mm -hmm. Cost me nothing. Okay. It was completely covered. The insurance company shoved it under the category of general vaccine. So, you know, happy ending. But the idea that I had to I think I spent a week on the phone on and off with the insurance <laughs> company in the hospital just to figure out what it would cost. I had weeks to figure this out, but like what if I really was urgently ill? This would have been a disaster. It's like my appendix is
2: exploding inside of me right now. I'm going to really like spend a week to make sure I'm getting the best deal here. <laughs> yeah.
5: So, you know, obviously the uh, that's where many of the ideas for that song about the billing codes in this show came from.
2: Something that really struck me about the Billing Code song in particular is that both of you are programmers, and Billing Code seems like a programming problem that humans are having to deal with. Does programming and that sort of, of, of line of thinking come into any of your other work? Uh, it's really fascinating to I me.
5: mean, I don't, wasn't really thinking about that at the time, mm-hmm. uh, but in this instance, no, it was just a lot of my utter outrage <laughs> that like, nobody seems to really know or care it's just these numbers move back and forth. Money exchanges hands. And- wow. For
8: me, I guess I do see the connection because I, in my programming life, I was dealing with long strings of alphanumeric numbers. And in this, <laughs> I just remember so many interactions that go over so many iterations of you you get on the phone with somebody, and they give you a reference number that's 18 digits long, and you write that down. Then you call back on it three weeks later when nothing <laughs> has happened. Yeah. You give them this reference number, and they're like, oh, I don't see that. And just these long strings of alphanumeric characters swimming around my head was, it just <laughs> brought it all back in all its nightmarish beauty.
2: Nowadays, it seems like most stories for musical theater are trending toward uh, young characters, young storylines, like between 18 and 30 years old. And it's really refreshing to see a musical whose characters are just this middle aged couple. Ed, you also wrote lyrics for a musical called Uncomfortable Sex, which featured characters who are also middle aged. Do you find that as you get older, the characters of your stories sort of age up with that too? Or do you feel like there are storylines featuring older characters in leading roles are lacking?
8: Yeah, well. The population is aging, Uh, you know, uh, people in my generation, they're out there wanting to hear musical theater Mm -hmm. and I'm out there wanting to write it because I'm older too. (laughs) So uh, I think uh, you've identified a trend Mm -hmm. that I'd like to see continue. Something I
2: love about this show is the shift that happens just before the final song. It feels like suddenly, all of a sudden, the genre of the song of the sh- the entire show changes from like domestic comedy to political theater. Was this shift always planned, or was it something that sort of grew and developed
5: as the show was being written? To answer that, it really helps to understand how the show was written. In that, you know, once we wanted to tackle the healthcare thing, we, we were under uh, time constraints regarding the running time of the show, so. There wasn't a lot of opportunity to go really in-depth on character development or any of these issues. You just had to tackle it and move on. Uh, So a lot of this was just driven by whatever funny song ideas (laughs) we could come up with. Sure, yeah been long enough that I don't really remember what motivated it, but, you know, the idea of a political song um, singing about healthcare, just, it had to be in there somewhere, as far, you know, as I felt. And so it seemed like a a nice, fun way to sort of top it off, make a political statement, you know, see how many people we could insult in one song and be done with it.
8: I guess I come in there from a pretty solidly left-wing perspective. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to get around to a left-wing song. (laughs) It was really solidly Medicare for all place. Yeah. So Neil yeah. and I were coming from exactly the same place on that.
5: If you recall, Ed, though, you were pushing me to make it um, more of a liberal point of view. Right. At that time, I, my, my views on health care have shifted over the years. But at the time we were writing this, I was kind of ambivalent about what the correct solution to all of this right. was. If you kind of look go through the song line by line it tries to poke everybody at some point. (laughs) Right. Um, And I think it was pretty successful because Ed obviously thought it should be more liberal. And I had conservative friends who were like, you know, annoyed I was poking fun at them. So I kind of, I think I got the needles in all over. Um, It's a little scattershot, but I think at the end, it's also just a lot of fun because so much of it is absurd. It's an absurd Great.
2: situation to begin with, so you can take it to whatever conclusions are interesting to you about this.
5: You know, there are those both angles to play in a song like this. Yeah, it mm-hmm. talking about how necessary affordable health care is, on the other hand, how wasteful it can be when big bureaucracies get involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's just there was just so much fodder there. It was tons so of So I imagine that right at that. a certain
2: point, the problem might be what don't I include rather than yeah. what can I include. <laughs> That's <laughs> very true.
5: Very true. I'll
2: add right, on your website, you write, I aspire to write fun, moving political musical theater. How else has this sort of informed your work, this perspective? A musical
8: I wrote, I guess a year or two before I wrote this one, is called Bystander. And it's about a young woman gets on the subway. Uh, she's pathologically shy. A guy mm-hmm. gets on, and he makes some overture to her, which really isn't. He's trying to be friendly, mm-hmm. but she recoils. And then this Muslim young woman gets on the train, and he starts harassing her. Mm -hmm. And so the woman has to figure out how does she want to interact with this situation. Mm -hmm. So that one tries to explore some of the ramifications of Islamophobia. So I not infrequently deal with political subjects. On the other hand, now I'm writing a musical called Bloody Bluebeard, which is a Mm -hmm. fairy tale. And uh, it's not for kids. It's kind of Tim (laughs) Burton-esque. It's kind of grotesque. But there again, I come in from a point of view and also making fun of it. For instance, one of the lyrics in the first song is, we apologize for clobbering you over the head with ideology. Please accept our apology. <laughs> so we both use it and make fun of it. But that's that's, what I, that's the subject matter I'm drawn to.
2: So let's talk about across a crowded room because that is where, um, that's where this piece in particular originated, and that's what it was written for. And you're talking about time constraints. Let's just talk a bit about what the program is and how it works.
5: So it's sponsored, I guess, by Lincoln Center? New York Public Library at Lincoln yeah. Center. I actually don't know how closely related the Lincoln
2: Center is with the Performing Arts Library. I know that the Performing Arts Library is a part of the New York Public Library system. Whatever it is, is a very useful resource for all kinds of uh, theater people, dance people, music people. Well, oh, before the internet, great. it was the
5: only resource. <laughs> True. You know,
2: right.
5: uh, we forget. Yeah. Um, you get this room full of composers, writers, lyricists, actors, and we're sort of jammed up together and expected to pair up and create something within. I think it was f- a fifteen-minute runtime. Yeah. And during the like course that, yeah. of this, there are all these master classes where they bring in um, professionals from the biz, lyricists, composers, um, to just talk to us about their work, what they're doing also to listen to our work in progress and give comments. Is
2: this the first time that the two of you work together through Blue Cross Blues?
5: Yeah. Yes. Excellent. Yeah. So. We had sort of connived beforehand to work together. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I don't want to speak for Ed, but the whole idea of having to meet somebody and decide to work with them in the course of 40 minutes was uh, a little stressful and intimi- intimidating. Yeah, there's a
2: moment where, um, like, people can present material from things that they're working on to give people a sort of indication about who they are. And then there's a moment where they say, okay, go form groups. And it's like, ah, like (laughs) racing around, talking to people who you thought were just fantastic, Uh, um, working through what everybody's responsibilities are, racing to get to um, Doug Reside at the library to be like, okay, there's our groups, put us on the list. uh, Yeah, that first (laughs) session was
5: pretty stressful. So it was nice to have Ed sort of already by my side. (laughs) Clearly, it was a a fruitful
2: collaboration. Uh,
5: Yeah, we had a great time and I'm very happy with the result. Yeah.
2: Uh, when we started casting for this project, Christopher, our director, was dead set on wanting to cast Anne Harada as the operator and Karen Mason as Michelle, not knowing until after the roles were cast that both of these actresses have been in a show of Neil's before. And Anne Harada even had a photo of her and Karen backstage at the vineyard. So, Neil, tell us more about the Don Juan and the not Don Juan. Uh, so,
5: you know, I had um, just graduated college. This is going back to 1991. Mm-hmm. At the time, I had a collaborator, also a friend from college, college and an older gentleman who had directed shows that we were in in college and he had come to us with the idea for the show was based on um i don't know if it was a series of short stories or a book that was a collection of short stories by a friend of his named marvin cohen to turn it into a musical Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, this is what I wanted to do. Um, so it's like, yeah, OK, let's work on this. We'll go to New York. Right. We'll take Broadway by storm. All those youthful dreams. Totally. <laughs> but it, it, it actually um, went surprisingly far. We got sort of a sync through at the Vineyard and um, Doug mm-hmm. Abel, who was the producer there, liked it. And then we did an entire stage workshop. And that's what Anne was in. What happened was the workshop went very well and so the vineyard wanted to open it to the press. Mm-hmm. But the contracts for the actors expired after the workshop. Oh. So we had to recast. So that's when Karen Mason came in. She actually took over the lead female part who was initially played by Lynn Green. Mhm. Both of them were terrific. Um, I still remember casting Anne. So it's an urban setting, ostensibly New York City. Yeah. Uh, So even back in in the early 90s, we were thinking, you know, this doesn't have to be a cast full of white people. Great. Um, But the problem was it required somebody who could really do comedy because the script was quite quirky. Yeah. And it required a particular type of singing voice. So that also really restricted the field. And I remember just Anne coming in, and she was just absolutely perfect. It was like... There you go. Right. Absolutely. And um, yeah, I mean, in the end, New York Times wasn't all that thrilled <laughs> with what they saw. Eh, they liked happens. my music, which was nice. Good New, York, good, New York Post was vicious and brutal. And eh. that was the end of it. But what can you do? So going back to the songs of
2: Blue Cross Blues. A personal highlight for me in the show is the song "Pay the Bill," and that it is just such this delightful, delicious villainy kind of a song. How apropos is it to make the bill collector the, the ultimate villain of the piece.
5: One of the things people struggle with with healthcare is paying the bills at the end. And mm-hmm. perfect opportunity, like you said, you know, for the our evil character. Yes, you know, I, I tend to think in terms of genres. So tango for me is a good evil genre. You know, and then it was just a matter of coming up with crazy, evil things that somebody might say. The the bigger issue was Mm -hmm. placing it in the show, and I'm a little foggy on this, but Ed and I did have a whole bunch of discussions. I think originally Mm -hmm. it was the insurance company calling, but insurance companies don't ask you to pay bills. And I don't remember how we resolved it exactly. I mean, maybe Ed could chime in. I'm I'm a little foggy on this one.
8: No, me too. I remember that there was some kind of question about who should be the villain here is it really the bill collector Mm -hmm. but i can't i can't there's
5: there's still some remnants of that in the lyric um when the bill collector talks about um your premiums were small and your deductible was high i mean technically a bill collector doesn't know or care about your insurance premiums right yeah yeah but you know it, in the scheme of things it was a matter of keeping it fun and clever and not getting all that hung up on whether it makes sense 100 percent every single line
2: there's something about like the rule of comedy where like if it is if it is funny if it is getting the point across then the audience can overlook like tiny logical inconsistencies yeah, like absolutely that.
8: I just wanted to say it was so much fun working on this project with Neil. He just comes up with so many funny ideas. They're like popping like popcorn and he <laughs> and the music just comes to him so naturally and easily mm-hmm. and it, it was just such a pleasure having such an eager and energetic and productive partner working on this show with me i really it was great and it's great being here and being reminded of
5: it. you know working on the show is um really makes me think of that saying that it's best if you write what you know. Mm -hmm. A lot of the songs just came pouring out because I had so much to say on this topic from my own experience. And there have been other things I've worked on throughout the years where it's been the same thing. I worked on a show uh, with a bunch of students about a uh, cruise ship. Right after mm-hmm. I had taken my first and only cruise and had a very interesting experience, and boy did I have a lot to say! <laughs> and you know, it just com- it just comes out in torrents uh, when you have that. Um, Was that part of the Mask and Wig Club? Uh, yeah. So, um, Mask and Wig Club is a um, musical comedy theater group down at the University of mm-hmm. Pennsylvania, um, where I went to school. Um, I was uh, an undergraduate member when I was an undergrad. So every year they do some sort of big musical show, newly Mm -hmm. written. Uh, Some years it's a review, some years it's actually got a story more like a traditional musical. Uh, So I was involved as an undergraduate and continued involvement since then. I've worked for them for about 30 years on and off, writing the music for the show to varying degrees. Some years I write it all, other years not so much. Some years Mm -hmm. I just do the orchestrations. It really depends on how eager the students are, how much effort they're willing to put in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. a number of years ago, one of my favorite shows that I've done there in a long time happened to be this goofy thing about a cruise ship. Mm -hmm. But having just gone on a cruise, boy, probably the first and only time I was writing faster than undergrad and you know it's like 10 of them versus one of me so yeah yeah they have the advantage of numbers but uh, it just was and it was tons of fun because cool right what you know
2: ed your career has taken some very interesting turns on the way to being a musical theater writer you've had a little bit of a journey in the legal field the film industry uh and then in it which we have talked a little bit about already um And then you retired, but theater has sort of been there at every step of the way, hasn't it?
8: Yeah, well, it started out with writing poetry and songs when I was like 14.
2: Mm
0: -hmm.
8: And then during college, I got involved in radical politics And Mm -hmm. that was about the time of the anti-Vietnam War movement. So after college, I wanted to move in some kind of political direction. So I got the idea, oh, I'll go to law school, which I did. And I passed the bar. And I found out I really don't like this. (laughs) And then I came up with the idea of, well, I will uh, marry creativity and money. And I'll go into the film business. So I did get into the film business in a certain way as an assistant director, Mm -hmm. uh, which is really a stage manager. And I was in that for about six years. And -hmm. then I found out I didn't like that. And then I went into computers thinking, okay, this is my high-class waiting job. Mm-hmm. And while I do my computer programming, I'll write. But computer programming turned out to be a little more demanding. <laughs> but so finally I retired. And now for the last 10 years or so, I've really been working on musical theater.
5: Um, I actually, theater for me has for the most part actually been a side job. Um, I, um, I, degra- I graduated with an... Um, computer science and engineering degree from Penn. And so I had like a 25 plus year career in computer software. Um, and, the- and theater sort of just kept coming in and out depending on, you know, trying to balance the two. For a while I didn't do much theater at all when the first internet boom came around. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I was kind of in the middle of that and it became an interesting choice, right? You're working yeah. at a computer company You know, you could do music and they'll pay you in like tuna fish sandwiches, or you could work for the computer company and they give you giant bags of money. Um, You know, that was what it was like back at that point. So yeah, it wasn't that hard a decision. But you know, I've sort of retired from that now, kind of like Ed. And so I've been focusing much more on the music aspect of my life.
2: That's fantastic. Gentlemen, thank you so much. It has been a pleasure having you on the program and you being a part of our production. We're excited to see more of your work in the future. And for our listeners, we will be linking to both of their websites and to our websites, so we can all keep up with each other. I wanted to
8: just um, express my appreciation to Jonathan and Christopher and Jeremy. It's so great that you're giving us an opportunity to get our work out to other people, and that you're giving a lot of people who are developing musicals this platform In a way, it's kind of an upside of this thing where we're being forced to move into a lot of Zoom kind of work (laughs) because we're getting exposed in a way that we weren't before. And I really appreciate you guys' help in making this happen. Thank you so much. Thank
2: you very much. I really appreciate that. For more information on Ed and Neil, click the links to their respective websites in the episode description. And don't forget to check out the samples of their other fantastic work. And for those of you who are Patreon members, don't forget there's an extended discussion packed full of topics we just didn't have time for on this episode. For those of you who aren't Patreon members, you're missing out on a wealth of bonus content that can only be found backstage. Visit www.patreon.com slash bite-sized broadway and subscribe today. Don't go away. We'll be right back with a preview of our next exciting episode right after this.
6: Hey, creative professionals and business owners looking to up your content game need a little boost to help complete your latest creative project have a great idea but no idea how to make it happen let evan feist coaching and consulting and his over 15 years of experience in media and extensive network work for you head to www.evanfeist.com today for a free consultation
2: next time on bite-sized broadway We'll be taking a quick break from our regularly scheduled mini-musicals to bring you a special election episode event on November 2nd. For our global listeners, don't worry, there will be something here of interest to everybody. And to our U.S. listeners, remember to make your plans now to get out and vote. Our regularly scheduled episode of Bite Size Broadway will be back on Monday, November 16th, when we present A Relative Relationship by Timothy Huang, starring Telly Leung, Lenedi Hanau, and Karen Mason. And that's it for this episode of Bite-Sized Broadway. We're coming at you with eight more mini-musicals in our inaugural season, so subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform and never miss an episode. And if you're feeling extra generous, leave us a five-star rating and a brief review. A very special thanks to Michael Kostroff and Evan Feist for their work on this week's show. A huge thank you goes out to our upper-level Patreon subscribers, Dakota Cahill and Judith Manicharian. If you'd like to support us on Patreon and get exclusive access to exciting perks, head to www.patreon.com slash bite-sized broadway, or click the link in the episode description. Until next time, friends, I'm Jonathan Lynch, and this is Bite-Sized Broadway.
5: Bite Size Broadway is an IndieWorks Theater production created by Jonathan Lynch. Executive producers Christopher Michaels and Jeremy Terry produced by Jonathan Lynch and Andrew Fox. Bite Size Broadway's theme and finale were composed and performed by Michael Parit, Jr. For more information on this and other IndieWorks programming, please visit www.indieworkstheater.com. Like and follow us on social media at IndieWorks Co. Stand by main curtain. Go!